discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified. Thank the Lord for bringing us home again to fellowship with you. Hallelujah. Now tonight, I'm dealing with a very unique subject. A, a unique subject. But God gave it to me. God gave it to me to speak it. I saw it in addition. Exact words. My words are not added. So we'll dive into the depth of the word. Hallelujah. Say romance. It's a big word. Now listen. Listen. I wanted to come and talk about different things. And I was, I was praying. What was pray- I prayed and prayed and didn't get anything. So I was giving up. I said maybe God wanted me to just. I mean. Use my conviction. And what is in my heart to come and share. So whilst I was living a prayer. Then I heard it. I saw it. I just saw it word for word. Romance under grace. That's what I said. Word for word. Romance under grace. (sighs) Romance under grace. Romance under grace. So I'm going to teach you how to how to romance the divine. How to romance the divine. And then when I was coming, I. Let me show you the meaning of the word romance in it from the dictionary. So that we can begin with a proper mindset. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romance is an intimate relationship between two people. It's a love affair. Idealized love, which is pure or beautiful. Idealized love, which is pure or beautiful. An embellished account of something. A mysterious, exciting, or fascinating quality. Those are different, different definitions of the word romance. Hallelujah. And then, romance and the grace. Turn with me, to, with me to the book of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We are reading 1 to 4. Romans 7, 1 to 4. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. 
So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is, she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, he also became dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruits unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Romance and the grace. Now I want to show you what these verses mean. I want to put it in a pictorial form, in a practical way, so you could understand. Hallelujah. This verse speaks of a kind of marital intimacy, both under the law and also under grace. But there are some distinctions between them. And I want to just particularize it for us to understand the full meaning of what was in Paul's mind when he was writing these four verses. In these verses, there are Two husbands, and there is one woman. Two guys, one lady. Two husbands, one woman. Two guys, one woman. Praise God. I want a lady to come up here and two guys to come up here. Two guys who know they are handsome. Alright, please stand here for me. And please stand here for me. Thank you very much. You are the woman. Please stand here. Alright. This is the woman. And these are the two husbands, two men. Mentioned here. Now let me show you what it means. Now Paul is speaking of a woman who had two husbands or two guys in her life. And she had to make a choice between them. Who she is going to get married to. Because she cannot marry the two of them. She must of a necessity marry one. Have you been in such a fix before? <laughs> well, you are a lady and there are two guys and they are all wonderful. You don't know which one to choose. Should I choose Pastor A? Or they can be, or elder B. Alright. Should I choose this pastor, or I should choose this pastor? Pastor Conrad and then Pastor McCarthy. Okay. So these are the two husbands in your life. Now, you are not going to get married to one of them. And now... <laughs> And the woman ended up with this one. Don't clap yet. <laughs> All right, so hold your hands together.
Whether pure offense are pure. <laughs> then he ended up with this one. But you realize that the instant the marital relationship began, then he just says the problem. You realize that although you've married this one, you've married the less desirable one. You never knew before. Before the marriage, you thought that this was the best choice. But when you enter into the union, you feel that mm, instantly you sense the problem. What is the problem? You feel that you are not compatible. There's a problem of compatibility. You, you realize that the, the two of you are extreme. You see, you, you, can, you can never be together. But if the differences are too extreme, that is difficult for you to become compatible. You just realize it. So the woman is not married to this wonderful man. The man, the man is not the, the man. I'll explain the man, but she just says that there's a problem. There is just a problem. What do I do? What do I do? Number one, you sense that this one, and let me show the differences among you. This one is very accurate in his dealings. Like you are very easygoing. He is very systematic. He is very precise. He's very exact in the things he does. But you do things randomly. You just do things randomly. You can just put this thing, put thing, anything anywhere. And this one is very, very accurate. You are free and he's very firm. <laughs> now you find out that whatever comes your way, you just receive it. But that's not how he is. He's particular about his choices. He's very particular. He doesn't just do anything. He's very particular. He's very definite. But for you, whatever comes, you just allow it to come. Uh-huh. Then you realize that there's a problem. I mean, you can't bind together because of your differences. The differences are too sharp. Now, I knew a man like that 10 years ago. And that man just fit into this man. Ten years ago, this man could sweep his horn ten times a day. This is something that, yeah. Any visitor he gets, the instant you walk out of the room, he takes a broom and sweeps the place. The man was so exact; he didn't want any any. If he sees any dirt on the floor, he makes sure that the place is swept. If no one would do it, he just wants the thing to be done. Such a person. Who sweeps the hall ten times a day? <laughs> Not only that, but he makes demands on you. So demands on you, so much that you feel that you are breaking apart. The demands are not wrong per se. In the eyes of people, those demands are perfectly legitimate. But you are feeling hurt on the inside because you know that you are dying slowly. But outwardly, when people see you, see him, you see that no, there's almost nothing wrong with him. But just that you cannot match up with his demand. Yet his demand is too, too much for you. And when he places those demands on you, he will not lift up a finger to even help you. Now, there's the man you find yourself in. Married to. <laughs> this man is so exacting, so demanding. Now, I watched a certain movie with my wife. It's this Nigerian movie. 
And uh, in this movie, there's this lady who married this man, or this man who married this lady. And the man always ate fresh cream. You've heard it before. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's just a picture I'm trying to portray. The man always ate fresh food, morning, afternoon, and evening. So if you pound fufu today in the afternoon and you prepare granola soup, you cannot put it in the fridge for tomorrow. Tomorrow you have to prepare a new granola soup. And that's just for lunch. <laughs> Supper, you have to prepare fresh food. He doesn't eat anything that enters the fridge. The food cannot stay overnight. He doesn't eat it. Fresh food. And this woman was always laboring. She was almost a slave in her, in her home. But aside from cooking, cooking fresh food, she had to sweep the place, scrap, mop the place, all the rooms, whilst the man is sitting down playing with the friends. The man is just what this man is, representatively. <laughs> so much demands, but doesn't help her. Ask your neighbor if it was you, what will you have done? What would you have done? <laughs> because the thing is this. Now the thing is this. And he's alive. You know that if you leave her, if you leave him to marry another person, you become, the Bible says, it's, it's adultery. You have become an, um, how do you call it? An, 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 an adulteress. Therefore, the only means by which and in your heart you wish you had married that guy. But it's happening. You know, I sat with a couple who had married for 25 years. Sorry, the woman in the marriage. They had married for 25 years. You know what the woman told me? And as we're discussing the problems in the marriage, the woman said, ah, hmm, 25 years ago, before my husband proposed to me, there's a certain guy who proposed to me and I rejected the proposal. Ah, the way it's paying me, how I, after 25 years. And the man was speaking to me, he said, ah, there was this guy, ah, he doesn't know what came over here, she doesn't know what came over here, for her to accept the husband's proposal, instead of the other guy, 25 years of marriage. And this is her problem now. She's just in, in a marriage, but they are just coexisting in this ecosystem. <laughs> and the only, the only means by which this marriage can be dissolved is by death. <laughs> it is death that will dissolve the marital relationship. And this man. Though he's wearing black, he's never prepared to die now. <laughs> but do you know that there are people who are waiting for their spouses to die? A pastor, a friend I know, a pastor, told us, this is what he said. I know that this one he said, I know that God has given me a big ministry. And uh, 
I'm going to have, you know what he said, I'm going to have thousand members. And I know that my wife cannot handle it. My wife cannot help me, so I'm just believing that God will take her away. That's what the pastor said, the pastor's confession. In actual fact, I'm waiting for her to die. That's the plain language. <laughs> so there are people, and if this thought can be in the head of a pastor, <laughs> so there are people, when will he die? When will he die? Die, 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 die. <laughs> and all the prayers is not working. Because this man is a strong man. He decided not to die. <laughs> oh, death, what is that thing? <laughs> so, if it was you, what would you do? Because you are tired. You are living the life of a slave. You are weeping and crying every day. Because the demands are too much and they don't even help you. And you can't explain yourself. You, have no, you, you are subdued. It's burdensome. It's gruesome. You know, what will you do? And this guy does not die. He doesn't even get sick. <laughs> it's a serious thing. There are people like that. And there are many marriages like that. May not happen to you in Jesus' name. Yeah. There are some marriages as soon as the children the children come to age and they leave the house, the marriage dissolves. Because the union is just, just there because of the children. But in this case, there's, there, there are no children. There's no fruits. There are no children. Hmm. Oh. So this is where you find yourself. This is the choice you have made. I pray that you make the right choice in Jesus' name. This is the choice you have made. What will you do? Beloved, this is the picture Paul presented to us. Now, you are the woman. The first man is the law, and the second man is Christ. That's the picture he's presenting. <laughs> now, you are the woman. Now, Paul is saying that I speak to them that know the law. First, we are married, we married to the law. But the marriage was so difficult that it wasn't working because the, the, the law is always demanding. And Paul is saying that when we're married to the law, we couldn't just divorce the law. The only means of divorce was by death. And the law is not prepared to die. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 18, that till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or title of the word will pass. So the word ever remains, it's not prepared to die. So we're stuck with the law. All of us at this woman were married to the law, and the law was making demands on us. We are trying to please God with our strength and it wasn't working. We had a lot of commandments, do's and don'ts, and it wasn't working. We felt that we loved God, but we couldn't serve God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you are the woman, you were in the place of a slave. Too many burdens. They say, love God. How do I love God? They say, do this. How do we do Too many rules. You've tried to use your flesh, your effort to serve God, but it's difficult. Because we're stuck to the law. Now, the law... It's wonderful. The law is perfect. The Bible said in Romans 7 that the law, wherefore, the law is holy, the commandment is holy, just and good. That's the law. The nature of the law is perfect, but the law cannot help you 
in function, the law cannot help you. The law is very weak. But what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. You see, what the law could not do, it was weak through the flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of the, of the, of the sin of the flesh, of the, of the sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The law will say be holy, but will never help you to be holy. The, the law will say, thou shalt not convert. Romans 7, 7, Paul quoted from Exodus. Thou shalt not convert. No, thou shalt not convert. Now, thou shalt not convert means thou shalt not desire. That's what it means. Yeah. You see, <laughs> thou shalt not desire. This is not something outward, it is inward. So if you desire wrongly, you've broken the law. And if you offend one point, you've offended in all the law. You've broken all the law. That's when no one can keep the law. Because wrong desire, you have coveted. That's no desire. And if you offend one point, you have offended all points. And this was the law. <laughs> the Pharisees eh? that's when no one can nearly keep the law. Because even your thought, wrong thought, disqualifies you. You've broken out the law. Yeah. <laughs> so, the law is good, the law is just, the law is holy. Was then that which was good made death unto me? Said nay, God forbid. The reason why the law came was to expose us. To reveal us. The Bible said that for by the law is the knowledge of sin, not the knowledge, knowledge of holiness. The Bible says that in Romans 5 verse 20, that moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. Can you imagine? The law entered that the offense might abound. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15 56, for by the law is the strength of sin. Can you imagine? If the law sin, Paul said, God forbid. But I have not known sin except by the law. For without the law, sin was dead. Can you imagine? And sin taken occasion by the commandments, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. Ah. And the sin taken occasion by the law deceived me, and by it it slew me. And the Bible says so little about the law. The Bible calls the law the yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of slavery. This woman has been in slavery. So much demands. Not that she doesn't love him, but the demands are too much. There is no helping hand. It's too much. She can't do anything. She just dying slowly. That's what the Lord did to us. The Lord was to render us helpless for us to see the need of the true husband, which is Jesus Christ. So we can live well and have a better romance with him. There was no romance between them. All was demand. Do's and don'ts. It seems like his love language is acts of service. <laughs> but this service, <laughs> but this one is too much. In Romans chapter 6, we see deliverance from sin. Have victory over sin. Now, Romans 7 is deliverance from the law. And it's a principle, both whether you are believer or not, you can come under that same principle. That is trying to please God with your effort. There's a way to actually please God, and we'll come to it. Alright. 
So then, now, this is you, this is you, this is the law. You are married. The union cannot be dissolved unless by death. And this man is not dying. So what happens? How do we dissolve the relationship? Because it's only by death. It is through death that the relationship can be dissolved. And this guy said, death. So let's look at what the woman did. Let's look at the, the plan by which the marriage, the marital union was dissolved. Let's look at verse 4. Verse 4, yes. Wherefore, my brethren, he also became dead. What Paul is saying is this. Now that the woman, now that the man is not willing to die, the only way the marriage union can be dissolved is the woman must die herself. So now Paul comes to the mystical and allegorical interpretation of scriptures. You know, he says that the woman must die. So then we actually died because the Lord is not willing to die. So we died in Christ. And we didn't, hallelujah. And when we died in Christ, we didn't, we, we didn't remain dead. We also resurrected in Christ. So we are now raised in Christ, and Christ is raised. So then, the old marital relationship by death is dissolved. So we are now free to marry a new husband. Hallelujah. You see, uh, listen, the first one, there was no hug. <laughs> the second one, there's just joy unspeakable. The first one, there was no smiles. <laughs> to say you are under the law means that you are not dead with Christ yet. That's what it means. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. How can I be crucified and live? It's the resurrection life. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So that is the newness of life. Through death, the old union is dissolved. Now, in the realm of the resurrection, we and Christ can now marry together. For which cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the twins shall be one flesh. Paul said, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hallelujah. So now, there's a new special union. And look at the result. Now go back. Verse 4, Romans, yeah, that we should bring forth fruits unto God. In this union, there was no fruits. In this union, there is fruit. Now that we are married to Christ, there is fruit. Beloved, our union with Christ, our intimacy with Christ, our romance with Christ, our oneness with Christ, our love in Him is what naturally and automatically produces fruit. Now, it is fruit, not works. Fruit Fruit is not effort. Fruit is a life principle. Fruit comes out of seed. And fruit naturally comes forth. Through that union of intimacy, fruit comes forth naturally. Before you realize you are walking in the realm of glory. 
before you realize that things that hinders you are no more, the addictions are no more, the mistakes and frustrations are no more. Before you realize you're walking in the heaven of peace, and it's almost at the realm of unconscious consciousness, where you are not calculatedly doing something, but because you love Him, out of the love, you find yourself not doing what you were doing and all the former desires are gone because you are under grace hallelujah because sin shall not have dominion over you because ye are not under the law but under grace praise god the former means are what people use but still it cannot solve our problems god has a, a better way it's a union it's romance and that's what we are coming to it's romance. And all of this week we'll be dealing with romance. Ah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the end of this week, if I've not grabbed, you'll be seeking to grab. <laughs> because you can't help it. Alright. Hallelujah. Once you are married, the two becomes one. As many as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What it means is that once you are married, you don't bear your name again. You bear his name. So we are Christ because he's our husband. We bear his name over us. And once, legally, once you are together, his, his possessions are now your possessions. You are now heirs together of the grace of life. His life becomes your life. His nature becomes your nature. All that he is becomes you. For as he is, so are we in this world. You see? And in this union, before you, because of your union, sharing the same nature, you begin to naturally bring forth fruit. And before you realize, now listen, this man, this guy had demands. But he couldn't bear because of the weakness of the flesh. This guy, it is not that he doesn't have demand. Now listen. It is not that he doesn't have demand. He has his demand. He has his demand. This guy had ten demands called the Ten Commandments. This guy has one demand. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. But listen. <laughs> and this one fulfills all. And this man's demand, he doesn't necessarily demand from him. Whenever he makes a demand, he supplies. So there's supply and demand. Demand and supply. What happens is that Jesus now is in us. Outwardly, Christ is like a lawgiver, but he lives in us as the lawkeeper. So, he, because of the union, he supplies fresh grace to do all that you must do. And because it is fruit and not works, it's a life principle. He does it with you. So this time around, when you are sweeping, he says, oh, he just takes the broom with you and sweeps with you. You see, it becomes so. That is the romance, proper romance. There is a helping hand. Everything is done in love. There is delight, there is affection, there is satisfaction. 
there is mutual fellowship, there is joy. Because this guy, and realize that things are in the house, bet, things are better than previously. Hallelujah. Praise God. Beloved, if we are here in this room, this is where we are now, not here. Hallelujah. Give Jesus the glory. Thank you very much. Okay, let's dismiss the Lord. God bless you. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now listen. Under the law always lives, you are full of fear. But today, I want to show you the kind of relationship the Lord has brought us into. The Bible said in Romans 8.15 that we have not received the spirit of bondage. Actually, the word means slavery. The spirit of slavery again to fear. But the spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption, that is it. The spirit of sonship, which is the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And because he are sons, God has sent from the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Galatians 6 verse 4. Galatians 4, verse 6. Now, what is the proof that our former relationship is dissolved? And what is the sign that we are in a new relationship? Now, the first sign is this. The first sign is number one, you are delivered from slavish fear and orphan spirit. Slavish fear and orphan spirit. Most of us, we still have slavish fear and orphan spirit. Slavish fear and orphan spirit. The, the, the slavish fear, the fear of a slave. What is slavish fear? Anytime you sense fear when you are walking before the Father, that fear is what I call slavish fear. You don't have the liberty to walk to Him at any time in slavish fear. Now, it is more easier when you are evangelizing and winning souls. And when you are fasting, you can easily approach him. But what about when you are making mistakes? Are you supposed to draw away, go away from him? No, you are supposed to go to him. You have no idea the kind of relationship that has been enacted and inaugurated in the New, Test- in the New Testament. It's unique. Never, let's not fear what we have received is not the former relationship we had. That kind of fear that drives you away. As if God will have something against you. As if God may be delivered from it in Jesus' name. Never let that thing throw you away from you. There's this popular minstrel of God. And this person actually fell off. And it was difficult for him to come back again because he felt that, no, no, 
No, not in other way. But where God, the height God took me, and how I have fallen, I don't think God can receive me like that again. That is again pride, rooted in ignorance. But it's not easy. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, we have been delivered from every kind of fear. Always get to your father, no matter what. God never take a road to hit your head. That is the former relationship. No. God will never do it. Even if you are making mistakes, still go to him. Even in your errors, still go to him. That is it. Where else? If you didn't go, where else? <laughs> where else do you want to go? Let not the devil deceive you. After the devil, whenever he comes, you know, and he judges you, he wants you to build your life based on your failures, based on your fears. But don't let that entrap and, and ensnare you. Just go freely to the Father. What's an orphan spirit? The orphan spirit is a spirit who's an orphan. Orphan is one who is fatherless or motherless. One who is without comfort. One who is comfortless. One who doesn't experience love. One who doesn't experience affection. One who is in despondency. A kind of despair, frustration. So there are many orphans because they have no that tender care, that tender love coming from their father, coming from their parents to their, or they have lost their parent. But the thing is this, you can live with your parents and have an orphan spirit. You can live with your father and mother and have an orphan spirit. Why do you think many people are committing suicide these days? It's an orphan spirit. Anyone who commits suicide has an orphan spirit. Orphan spirit, because you may be with your parents, they are there, but they are not there. <laughs> they are there, but they are not there. You can, be, you can be with them, but they are not there for you. You don't feel their love. You don't feel their affection. So you are just there. It's as if you are just receiving demands from them. You are not studying hard. You are not learning. And some of you have experienced things like that. Because you feel like you must march up to please them. And you feel like um, sometimes you compare with your brothers or sometimes other people. You don't match up to it. You don't experience love. You can be with them, yet they are not showing you the love you deserve. They are not giving that love, that kind of affection, that kind of covering. You can still have an offense spirit. That's what causes many people to do what they do. Are you here with me? So you can be living, yet you are not. You can be a pastor and have an offense spirit. You can, you can just be there, but yet you don't feel loved. It's the root of inferiority complex. It's the root of rejection and many things. I myself have experienced this offense spirit for a long time. In the past. The solution is to, is to know the Father's love. I was a pastor. But I had an offense spirit. Yeah. Why would someone go and commit suicide? I wanted to commit suicide in the year 1999. 
1998-1999. I wanted to do that. Then one morning, I was in my room, and I saw someone coming. One of the purest, clearest open visions I've had. But the person was like a woman. It's like a mother who has not seen me for many years. The person came and hugged me, and I felt, I felt it physically, and hugged me. I thought it was real, and this and hugged me and said, "I am Jesus," and disappeared. That is all. I guess it needed an embrace, and it came from the Lord, and it, it delivered me. I just felt His love and sensed His love. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear. Don't think that that sin that you are in, that's addiction. God, God knew you. Don't, you, you. Listen, you are a mistake to begin with. So don't run away from God with your mistakes. <laughs> you just have to go to Him and be sincere and open up to Him. Anytime you are sincere, Transparency and sincerity and honesty before God brings remarkable deliverance. It brings remarkable deliverance. What can you hide from God? What can you hide from God? But you see, he said, we have received the spirit of sonship. The spirit of sonship. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And it's amazing. Abba, Father. Exciting. Abba means father. So, father, father. Why is it mentioned twice? To import a double emphasis. Hmm. Father, father, father. I mean, God is a father. Father, father. You must know him as your father. But the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit did not translate and interpret. Did not allow the word Abba to be translated. It could have been written father, father. But Abba is Hebrew. The original Hebrew is maintained because the Spirit of God wanted to import on us a special emphasis of who the Father is. Abba, actually, in the Hebrew, is Daddy. You see, the word Daddy is more, is deeper than the word Father. Father can be an official title, but Daddy is more, more intimate, it's more personal. It's that kind of filial spirit, it's a kindred spirit. When you say Father, when you say Daddy, which one is deeper? Yeah, that's why when I'm praying, I like to say, when I'm praying publicly, I normally say Father, but when I'm alone, I say, Daddy. They just talk to him. Know that he's your daddy. 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 And you fear to talk anything to it with him. Why do you fear to share everything with him? That's the question. Why do you fear to share everything with him? It's a slavish fear. I'm telling you. Ask Pastor T and the wife, their son. How much they love their son, despite the weaknesses or the vulnerability of, the, of their child, they just love the child as the child is. They, they look beyond the mistakes of the The love that God Father has for us is too deep to comprehend. Listen, the Father lives in eternity. He knows the end from the beginning. He, he knows, He knew you, He, he chose you. He, he just loves you. <laughs> so we, we have to call Him Daddy. Hallelujah. When you go home and you are just, and when you are saying daddy, make sure it's, it's close to the heart. It's intimate. Daddy. Daddy. And we, we are not doing religion. 
It's a new relationship. You have no idea how much God desires you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll come there. But what amazes me is that now go to um, Galatians 4 6. Something amazes me there, Galatians 4 6. And because we are sons, God has sent from the spirit of his son into your heart. Hey, what does it mean? God has sent from the spirit of his son. And because he are sons, God has sent from the spirit of his son. What it means is that to have the spirit of his son means that we have the same privilege and the same opportunity to be a son as Jesus was. Because the spirit that made him a son in the earth work is the same spirit that spirit is given to us. Therefore, we stand on the same grounds as Jesus was. Legally, in every way, the same ground, the same privilege, the same opportunity as Jesus was. You are too special. If you don't believe it, you believe it when you go to heaven. You believe you want to go to heaven, but we don't know it. He said, none of us, no one is number two in God's eyes. Everyone is number one. Now, when you go, no one is, no one is number two. Everyone is number one. <laughs> a certain man was taken to, a certain lady was taken to heaven. And that's what she said. When she stood before Jesus and saw the eyes of Jesus, she felt that she saw that in looking into Jesus' eyes, she saw that the whole world and all of creation, Jesus loved her more than anybody. That's what she saw. Then she began to think about a friend. Then she saw that the whole world and all of creation, Jesus loves her friend more than anybody. Then she began to think about another person. Ah, then she saw that the whole world, the whole world of creation, Jesus loves that other friend more than anybody. Anybody he, she thinks, Jesus loves that person as if that person is the only person for which he came to die. God loves you individually. He doesn't just love us corporately. He loves you as if you are the only person. That's how it is. You are not just a face in a crowd. You are unique. As if Jesus died for you alone. That's how special you are. But on earth, the flesh prevents us from these realities. Beloved, as you are here, you have the spirit of his son. The same grounds as Jesus was with the Father. The day, this afternoon, around three, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me concerning this message. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I can't remember the words. I wrote everything down. But he told me that a seed will arise seed will arise. A seed, that is a generation, is going to be arise. To whom this message belongs. That's what he said. They will know. They will know the fatherhood of God. And that will be the bedrock for miracles. Unprecedented miracles. Jesus can get, can get to the tomb of Lazarus and say, Father, I thank thee that you have heard me. How many words? I thank thee. He was so assured of his sonship. He was so assured, convicted. He just thanked God and it is done. Because we don't know him. 
Once we have known him as a father, that's the victory. That is it. We walk out there bold, with boldness. That's the victory. Now listen. Can you realize that he has sent from the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying. Yeah. The spirit of his son, which is the Holy Spirit, is crying in our heart. Is crying, Abba, Father. That's the cry of the spirit. And in Romans 8.15, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry. So there are two cries. One is we crying, the other one is the spirit of God crying. The first cry is our spirit crying. The second cry is the Holy Spirit crying. So there is a double cry. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. The divine spirit is joined to our human spirit. And these two, becoming one, are crying. There is a cry of the spirit in us. And what is the cry of the spirit? The spirit of God is in our heart. The spirit of his son is in our heart crying. Entreating us. Telling us that God is your daddy. Pleading with us for us to come to the reality of the understanding that God is our daddy. Pleading with us, God is our daddy. Crying, entreating, God is our daddy. The spirit is crying, and your spirit, which is regenerated, your spirit, which is born again, cannot help it, has come to the place of sonship. Your spirit is crying to you, God is your father, God is your Abba. Beloved, there is a cry, there is a beseeching of the spirit, there is a pleading of the spirit, there is an entreating of the spirit for us to come to the reality, the realization of the fatherhood of God, for us to know that God is our daddy. We cannot help it. He wants to bring us to that filial relationship to that kindred spirit that oneness beloved now are we the sons of God behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not beloved now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear unto us what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him we are the sons of God. We are the sons of God. We are the sons of God. He that has the son has life. He that has not the son has not life. We have eternal life. Being born again, not of the corruptible seed, but the incorruptible is in the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever of his own will. Because he is by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit among all of his creatures we are born again we are the sons of God we have the spirit of God we have the fatherhood of God hey we are in the family of God Papa God is our father we have come to a new family we have come to a new household we have come to a new daddy it's a new relationship it's a love relationship we are the sons of God we are there is no more fear no matter what I have done, there is no more fear, no matter what confront me. Hey, the spirit is crying. I hear the cry of the spirit, Abba Father. I hear the cry of my spirit, Abba Father. There is a cry calling me into union with the fatherhood of God, calling me to acknowledge Him as my daddy. God is my daddy, God is my daddy. He loves me as I. He loves me beyond any other thing. God is my daddy. Come and love him. You must shut up.
We cry. Abba. We cry. Daddy. We cry. We cry. We cry. We long for him. We desire him. He is all our desire. He is all our passion. Yet this so time. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, can you sit down and just close your eyes and just Take time and just say, I want you to say daddy about seven times. Just say daddy. I want you to just say him. He loves you more than your earthly father. More, 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 more. I want you to be delivered from every kind of offense spirit. That's the spirit that causes suicide. That unworthy spirit, a spirit of rejection. Spirit of rejection. Nicole says, and I. The devil wants you to evaluate your life based on your feelings, based on your failures, and based on your fears. Don't evaluate your life based on your failures and feelings and fears. Daddy. Daddy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your name is exalted in all the earth. Daddy, Daddy, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In John 14, 16, look, John 14, 16 to 17, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The next verse, 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The word comfortless, comfortless is the word orphanos. Orphanos. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you orphanos. To be an orphan is to be without comfort. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, to be comfortless is to be an orphan. Let's go to the next previous verse. Verse 17. Verse 16. Another comforter. You see, to be comfortless is to be an orphan. The word is orphanos. 
The solution is the Holy Spirit who is a comforter. Who comforts our comfortless. Comfortlessness. The comforter, even that he may abide with you forever. If you have the Holy Spirit, you are not an orphan. Because the Holy Spirit is the cure for our comfortlessness. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to his coming that Jesus came in the Holy Spirit to them. Yeah. The Spirit will come. It's expedient that I go. If I go not away, he will not come. While Jesus was with the disciples, the Holy Spirit was with the disciples in Jesus. But now, Jesus was going to be in the Spirit in the disciples. It's the other way around. Because Jesus is in the Spirit. Now today, Jesus is up in heaven. The Father is in heaven. The one we have here is the Holy Spirit. Must understand that. That's why the Bible says the Spirit and the Bride say come. Both the Spirit and the Bride are beseeching Him to come. But of course, essentially the Spirit, the Father and the Son are one. They coexist and they co-inhere. Where the Spirit is, the Son is. Where the Spirit is, the Father is. So Christ is, how is Christ in us, in the Holy Spirit? Praise God. Now he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Beloved, the reason why we feel rejected, dejected, we are in despair, is because we have not known the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now listen. Are you here with me? The Father's love. Now, that, that, then he said, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Then he said, even the spirit of truth. That's the next verse. Why did he say, even the spirit of truth? Even the spirit of truth. The, the word truth is the word reality. Reality. The spirit of reality. Why is, it, why is he called the spirit of reality? Because, you see, without the Holy Spirit, the Father's love is not real to us. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the reality, the reality of the Father's love to us. The Holy Spirit makes the Father's love real to us. He's the spirit of reality. He makes all things real. Without him, the Father's life is abstract. We don't see it. We cannot relate to it. We cannot feel it. We cannot touch it. But the Holy Spirit makes his, the Father's love real to us. He's a spirit of reality. Even the spirit of reality. Anytime. Now, do you remember when the prodigal son was going home? In Luke 15 verse 20, the Bible tells us that his father saw him afar off and had compassion, compassion on him and ran and fell on his, on his neck. Now, you cannot find it in King, King James, but when reading from other versions, he said he embraced him and he kissed him. He embraced him and he kissed him. The guy has wasted his resources. He, he embraced him and he kissed him. The embrace, amplified. Now, in the Greek, do you remember when in the house of Colonials, when Colonials believed the gospel and Peter went to preach there for the first time, the Gentiles received the gospel. As Peter spoke, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Do you remember? The word the Holy Ghost fell upon them is the same Greek word as embrace. The Holy Ghost fell upon them is the same Greek word as embrace. Actually, the Holy Ghost embraced them. See, the Holy Ghost embraces us. When he falls on us, he embraces us with the Father's love. He brings the reality of the Father's love to us. We feel that the Father's, the, the Father's love is real. The thing is this. We have not been taught the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's the problem with the church. 
worldwide. Because we have known that the Holy Spirit is just an active power, but we have not known that He is a person. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for our fellowship. And the Holy Spirit is more real to you than your neighbor sitting by your side. He's so real. But every day the Holy Ghost works with you. But He's for fellowship. When was the last time you woke up in the morning and said, Oh, sweet Holy Spirit. And you started talking to Him as a friend. It's serious. Pastor Chris, I heard Pastor Chris saying, saying that I speak to the Holy Spirit more than any human being. He's blessed my life. That is what he said. I speak to the Holy Spirit more than any human being. That's why the man is, is, is a bundle of success. Yeah. You cannot do that and have hatred in your heart. How would you uh, think of having a friend and for a long time you never say hi to the friend? Or you have a roommate and you don't mind your roommate. You don't say hi. You are just use, using his resources. You don't say hi. You don't share with the person. There's no friendliness. It's like a community without communion or neighborhood without brotherhood. Ah, just think about it. But that's how we are. That's what we are doing. Hallelujah. It's unique. I mean, years ago when I read, praise God. You love it. You need to work with the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you sense the Father's love. It's not abstract. It's real. When you lie down, the Holy Spirit is with you. Why have you ignored him all these years? It's for fellowship. You don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You pray to the Father. You, pray, you don't pray to Jesus. <laughs> you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. You fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There's a way to also fellowship with Jesus as a bride. And you also fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Why are we comfortable in sharing our needs and our troubles with friends, but not first with the Holy Spirit? I want you to just start practicing it. Just take a walk, a lonely walk, and all your heads. Just as you walk, just walking, talking. And just talk to the Holy Spirit. Just talk to the Holy Spirit. Just talking to, and you begin to build a consciousness. Then he begins to speak to you. He begins to speak to you. You begin to hear his voice. Yeah. You begin to hear him. You begin to hear him. On matters that, I mean, one day I was, I went for a personal retreat and I was just talking with the Lord like that. And whilst I was about to, I was getting off. I was breaking my fast, so I was going to order for the love rice. Now listen. So, whilst I was standing off to go and order for the love rice, the Lord told me, don't, don't do it. Because your wife is going to prepare the love rice as you go home. You go and meet the love rice. Can you imagine? Look, at that time, there were things I taken to the Lord to pray about, and I didn't have any answer. <laughs> and that's what sometimes I don't really understand from the Lord. But the reason I went to fast, I didn't even get answers. But Jollof rice. <laughs> no, it gave me assurance that I shouldn't bother. It, has, it is dealt with. Ah, if God can communicate to me on Jollof rice, how much more the things I sent to him? <laughs> I don't understand God why he does that. 
but it gives me assurance. Then I called my wife. I, the moment I called her, she said, I, I, I hope you have not eaten. Why? I hope, because I'm preparing to love rice for you. That's what she said. The Holy Ghost is so precise. Even the food you eat. Yeah. One day I was fasting and my wife said, take something. I said, ah. I saw it as a, as a defeat. Why should I take something while I'm fasting? <laughs> you understand? But she felt I was weak. I laid down and the Lord spoke to me. Eat something. And then I realized that sometimes you can't listen to the Holy Ghost. You cannot hear the Holy Ghost. You have to hear your wife. <laughs> Not all times, I said sometimes. <laughs> now, the word comforter now in Latin is from two words con. Two words con, C O R N, con fortis. Con, C O R N, fortis, F O R T I S. Con fortis. C-O-R-N acts the normal corn and fortis. F-O-R-T-I-S. Now corn actually means alongside. And fortis means to strengthen. To strengthen. So the word means one who comes alongside to strengthen you when you are in need. One who comes alongside to strengthen you when you are in need. Try the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is not just, hey, I feel the Holy Ghost. He's more than that. Is first a person. Walk and talk with him, and it will surprise you the love you experience. If you ignored him for long, what if you ignored him for long? That's how my, sometimes I remember I want to take a taxi or walk, but I feel like let me walk and just be talking with him. It's so refreshing. You and him alone. And when you have done it, don't post it on Facebook. <laughs> it's a love affair. How many of you expose your love affair with you? No, 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 no. The things you share. Hallelujah. Now, before Jesus died, he said something in what is called the high priestly prayers of Jesus. <laughs> John 17. This is what Jesus said. I have manifested thy name unto the man which thou givest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou givest them me, and they have kept their word. Which name did Jesus manifest to his disciples? The name he manifested was not Elohim, because Elohim was already manifested in the Old Testament. Elohim is used more than 250 times, 2,500 times, more than 2,500 times in the Old Testament. It was already there in the beginning. God, Elohim was already manifested. The name Jehovah was already manifested. All the compounded names of Jehovah, like Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Mekadishkev, the Lord our sanctifier, Jehovah Tikkunu, the Lord our righteousness. All the names have been revealed. There was one name which was not yet revealed in all of the old covenant. That was the name Jesus came to reveal to the men. The Father gave him. And the name he came to reveal was the name Father. The Fatherhood of God. Because in the Old Testament, no one prayed and said Father. Wrong. No one did that. 
In fact, it was blasphemy to even call God Father. That's why when Jesus called God his Father, they took stones to stone him. Because he had made himself a son by calling him Father. It means he's becoming equal with him in life and nature. So they stoned him for a blasphemy. But he said, I have manifested thy name. I have not just declared, I have also lived it. I have shown them your fatherhood. I have manifested it. I have shown them who you are, your tenderness, your love. I have shown them the fatherly heart. I have manifested your name to them. Hallelujah. And that's the name Father. In those days in, in Israel, if you are living with someone who is not your legitimate son, the person can never call you Abba. If the person can call you Abba, it means you are the legitimate son of the person. To call God Abba means that we are his legitimate sons. And the name is manifested to us. It's a new order. In the Old Testament, there were slaves and servants, but we are now sons. Now are we. Not the old order. It's, it's a present tense. Now are we. Hallelujah. You know, you should have the boldness to enter into the father. You know, when a child enters to the father's room, there has no sense of care. A child can just enter the father's room and jump on the father's bed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you here with me? One of the last time you entered your father's room and jumped on his bed. Come on, get out of there. That's not what our fathers are, but you know, I know fathers too. And when you are tender, you can just enter your father's room. Beloved, that's how we can do. Today, Ephesians 3 12 that says that we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him, not by our faith, by the faith of Him. His faith. My Lord, my daughter. Approaching the Father is almost like Jesus approaching the Father. Yeah. We have boldness, <laughs> access with confidence. My. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil that is to see His flesh. Today, understand us. The entrance is by the blood. There's a, a brief story in the Old Testament in Exodus 24. Moses took blood, and when he took blood, he sprinkled it upon the people. And when he sprinkled it upon the people, immediately the people were sprink, sprinkled with blood. You know what God said? God invited the elders, the blood sprinkled people, to the top of the mountain. and the Bible tells us in Exodus, Exodus 24 verse 10, they sat with God and they ate and drank with God. Can you imagine? They ate and drank with God. So verse, look at verse 11. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drank. Go back to verse 10. Now, and God, they were at the top of the mountain and they were feasting. And God manifested, and they saw the God of Israel. Why? Because of the blood. Because the, the blood was sprinkled upon them, and that gave them access and an ushering into fellowship and intimacy with God. And once there is blood, no more punishment. That's what it means. Today, let me tell you something. No matter what you have done, you can walk freely. Say, Father, I've come. God can do nothing. You know why? If God can sack you, God is unrighteous. 
That's how dangerous it is. You hear what I'm saying? Today, let's fight your mistakes. You can walk this way to him. And he has nothing to say. He cannot suck him. Because of the blood. You know, you know what the blood means? When you see blood, it means death has occurred. The punishment for what you do has already been shed. It is called a completed satisfaction. So your little, little errors is not what is going to drive you away from him. Am I saying going into error? No. I'm showing you a new, the Bible calls it a new and a living way. What he has consecrated. The, the Greek, in the Greek, which he has cut for us. He has cut a new way. This new way he has cut is not an appear way. It's not a, it's a divine way. It's a new and a living. The more you go, the more you are renewed. The more you go, the more you live. The more the life. Just keep going. Despite all that you've done, just keep going. Because it's a new and a living way. The more you go, the more you are renewed. The more you go, the more you live. The more the life. Yes. And you know these guys, let's go back to that same verse. Exodus. And they saw God. They saw God. It's okay. Verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet the paid work of sapphire stone. As it were the body of heaven in his cleanness. That's how they saw God. And they, oh, don't, don't go further. Please. They saw the feet of God. And it was the paid work of sapphire. You know, the word sapphire, sapphire actually symbolizes the government of God, God's government. Because in Ezekiel 1 26 to 28, his throne is Sapphire. It speaks of his government. Sapphire is the government, God's government. The law was written on Sapphire stone, on Sapphire. It speaks of God's government, God's governmental dealings. Sapphire. God's government. And he saw his feet as a paved work. You know, paved work speaks of work that is perfectly finished, completed, and garnished. Nothing to be done again. And the paved work under his feet pointed to the finished work of Christ. And sapphire is actually blue. In Hebrew, the word blue, kela, actually means completion and perfection. Blue. Blue means completion or perfection from, from the Hebrew. What, so, when the blood was sprinkled upon the people, God revealed himself, pointing to them of that the work, the work is finished already in Christ. Hallelujah. We have boldness to his presence. In Jesus' name. Then, I'm about concluding, in verse... Um, John 17 verse 11. You know what Jesus said? John 17 11. He was still praying. So I have manifested thy name. And he said, And now I'm no more in the world. And these are in the world. And I'm come to thee. Holy Father, that's it. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. The word keep here in the Greek is actually protect. You see, he said, I have manifested your name. That's the name of the Father. He brought the fatherhood of God to us. He said, keep them through thy name. Beloved, the word keep means to protect. Protection is in the Father's name. The more you know the Father's heart, the more you know about the fatherhood of God, the more you are protected. For instance, if you are sitting in the plane, and there is turbulence, and you think you are going to die, and you know that, ah, the Father loves me. You knowing his love can protect you. Sometimes it's not easy, you know. I was sitting in the plane last week and the thing was shaking. 
I said, Father's love, call him a satana. <laughs> but you see, sometimes we are even afraid. When we're working in the darkness, it's like some demons are around. Why do you think demons are only in the night? Walking around. When we have the assurance of the Father's love, we can walk through. I'm not saying stay there, but walk through. <laughs> but don't walk through. Hey, Jesus, hey. Jesus, hey. No. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> Perfect love casts out fear. Uh, Perfect love casts out fear. The more you know how the Father loves you, it, that love protects you from many things, from depression, despondency, even from sickness and diseases. So protect them through thy name. If you know his name, huh? the Father, the Father, you can. It's a consciousness that produces the result. Now listen. The deepest need in the human spirit is the assurance that God loves you. Listen. The deepest need in the human spirit is the assurance that God enjoys you. The deepest need in the human spirit is the assurance that God enjoys you. The assurance that God enjoys you. Not just knowing the, assur- the deepest need in the human spirit is the assurance that God enjoys you. In Isaiah 62 verse 4, he calls you Hefzibah. He said, you are no more forsaken, you are no more desolate, but your name is Hefzibah, meaning God's delight. That is a prophecy. Listen, you must come to the place where you know that you are God's delight. Say, I'm God's delight. Do you know what it means to say you are God's delight? You are God's pleasure. His affections are set on you. You are the one he has been waiting for for all of eternity. Now when you get to heaven, you know how it will look like. When you stand before the Father, a certain guy went to heaven. And he said, when he stood before the Father, he was shocked. He never knew God was like that. He said he saw God as like an old friend who has been waiting for all of eternity just to see your face and to embrace you. He saw God as someone who just couldn't wait to, to see us. So that's how the father was. He was so shocked that all that he has been taught on earth was different from who he was. Yeah. It's, God is a friend. He's just been waiting. He just can't. He, 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 and God had done his hands like that, waiting to embrace him. He, he just couldn't wait. That's the deepest need in the human soul to know that God enjoys you. Because you have Ziba. That's our name. Have Ziba. He delights in you. You are the affection. You are the object of his love. The object of his affections. God delights. Just be walking. God delighted me. God delighted me. That's how to meditate. God delighted me. God, my name is Hefziba. But that must sink into your consciousness. To know you are God's delight. You are blessed indeed. You are, but you don't know it. But when you get to know it, that's all. That's the beginning. God's delight. If you know how God feels towards you, that's the beginning of your confidence. If you don't know how God feels towards us, beloved, this is how He feels towards you. He's your, de- he's your delight. This is how He feels towards you. If you know how He feels towards you, it will change everything you do. But when the devil comes, he brings condemnation. He wants you to evaluate your, your life based on your failures, your fears. So it is like that. 
the last verse, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. We are no more forsaken. We are accepted in the blood. Amazing, the word accepted is not the word for accepted in the, in the Greek. It's the word the word accepted in the beloved association is the word is the word carries grace. So we are graced in the beloved. <laughs> we are accepted in grace in the beloved. It's too much. That acceptance is too much. And you know why he says to accept in the beloved? The word is agapao. So there's agape and agapao. Agape is love, the expression of love. But the agapao is the object of your love. So you are the one loving, but your love is set. Like Pastor T's love is set on Pastor Yvonne. So, so Pastor Yvonne becomes the object of Pastor T's love. You see how it's holding here? Uh-huh. As a demonstration of what I'm saying. You know? <laughs> so she is the object of his love. But my love is set on this one. Uh-huh. Now, the Father's love is set on Jesus. Jesus is the one the Father loves. And the Bible says that now, you are now graced and accepted in the Beloved. To be accepted in the Beloved is to be acceptable as the Beloved. <laughs> Today, God's love is set on you like this. All his affections. Oh, have you been in love before? Love. Only people love someone that God loves you deeply. It's like you are the only one who existed. But God just loves you. And he said, he demonstrated it. He said, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. He said it twice. The father said it twice. One at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, one at the end of his ministry. One at Jordan, the other one at Mount Hermon. One at his baptism, the other one at his transfiguration. Now, he said it twice. Now, in Jordan, he said, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. That's when he was about to begin his ministry. And when he was about to close his ministry at months, the Mount of Transfiguration, when Elijah and Moses appeared, the same voice came, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And the locations are two unique places. Mount Hermon is 10,100 feet above sea level, which is the highest peak in Israel. Jordan is about 1,100 feet below sea level, which is the lowest place in all the earth. So when Jesus stood in Jordan, which is the lowest place in all the earth, the Father said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. Then he stood in the highest peak of Israel, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. God is saying that whether you are in a valley or you are on a mountain, my love for you never changes. Whether you are succeeding or you are failing, my love for you never changes. And the Lord God, I change not. Therefore, ye the sons of Jacob are not consumed. You see, he's the father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither any shadow cast by turning. There is no variation in God. There is no mutation in God. God does not evolve. God is simply idem. He is always the same. He remained the same. He never changes. Hallelujah. He's the same. I, I don't know whether you are in the valleys this evening, but he's giving that assurance of your love. If you are in the valleys, if you are in frustration, if you are in depression, I don't know what you are going through. He's saying that you are the beloved son. You are accepted in the beloved. You are the object 
object of his pleasure. Your, your name is Hebziba. He, he delights in you. He's saying you are the object of his affections. This is my son whom I am well pleased. My beloved son. And to be accepted in him means that you, you are well pleased by the father. By means of the blood. You are well pleased. I don't know whether you are on the top of the mountains. You are making it and things are working. His love never changes. It's the same. We are in his love. We are baptized in his love. And we know the father's heart for us. Your name is Hebziba. Come on, celebrate Jesus. Celebrate the father. How much he loves us. To the glory of God. Hallelujah. Beloved, this is the union you have been brought into. It's a love relationship. And when once you are in room, you learn to romance the divine. The beginning of this romance is to know how much you are accepted. Because if you are in a relationship and the person is always pointing your fault at you, the relationship will not work. The things you want to say, you cannot say. That's why the first relationship didn't work. There was too much demand. But this time, where we are, it's a divine romance. God doesn't point your fault to you. He does, he's also demanding things on you like that. He's having oneness and fellowship with you. He's bearing the yoke with you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's a love affair. It's a love relationship. And through that romancing the divine, you in him and working with him, before you realize, you are bearing fruits. If you learn the language of intimacy... Before you realize you are bearing fruit. And we'll get there. This is just the beginning. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314. Or send an email to info at Christworldinc.com. God bless you.